Hello, it is Tuesday, April 13th, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. Can't thank you enough for choosing to listen to the show. Got some good conversations for you. I'm currently recording this on my phone because Hammer Don is recording in the studio, which is a daily live show at 4 p.m. every single day, giving out locks and gambling advice. I appreciate them for doing that, but that forced me to record this on my telephone. Well, it's a cell phone, I guess. It's a device that has a phone app on it, uh, I think is the best way I've ever heard it described. And I'm um, grateful that you chose to potentially use the same thing to listen to us today. I know there's a lot of other options for things to penetrate your ear holes. The fact that you allow us to do so on a daily basis, we can't thank you enough. If by the end of this you enjoy it, please be a friend and tell a friend. If not, just act like it never, ever happened. I'm up to something, by the way. Hey, big things popping off, about to give away some money for somebody that can guess it. Stay tuned for that. It'll be in the next couple of weeks, next few weeks here. And uh, once again, I can't thank you enough. Let's get to it. It has come to our attention that there are some things happening outside of the sports world that are potentially devastating for a lot of our society. What we hope to be on a very regular occasion and have been hopefully for a lot of people for a long time is a mental vacation from all the real things in the world because we are sports stooges talking about sports stoogery. Mm-hmm. Today, there's a lot to talk about. Yesterday, a man retired who has played football at a very high level for a long-ass time. A man who I have do doed with on the football field numerous times. A man who has spurred a conversation on whether or not he will be a Hall of Famer. And that conversation will probably continue if my guessing and expectation is correct, probably for the next 30 years. I believe at some point Julian Edelman will end up in the Hall of Fame. I do not believe he will be able to go into the Hall of Fame anytime soon, strictly because his stats are nowhere near what some other wide receiver stats are who will definitely go in before him. But I do believe with what Julian Edelman was able to accomplish throughout his whole career, I believe he will be a hall of famer eventually now is that me not giving an answer on whether or not he's a hall of famer i think it's an answer i just don't think he's going to be a first ballot i don't think he's going to be a second ballot hall of famer by the way a lot of people aren't first ballot hall of famers or second ballot hall of famers but i believe julian edelman's work of art in the nfl is worthy of a hall of fame knock on the door probably by the same guy 20, 30 years from now, (laughs) and an induction in there. I think whenever I punted to him early in my career and then until Tyreek Hill basically started returning punts, he was the guy I feared most as a punt returner. He took one to the crib against us in the same game. He almost took another one back where I had to tackle him, actually, and it was a pretty good tackle. Made a highlight list. I I kind of picked him up. I mean, it was a pretty good good tackle, but he was about to juke me, okay, by the way, and I had to actually pick him up and go, no, no, you can't get two in the same fucking game on me, Julian. No, so I put him down, ruined my stats for the entire year. He was always somebody you knew was going to give absolutely everything on every single play. There was no give up. There was no quit. There was no nothing. And it felt like Tom Brady would go to him in moments that where he needed a play to be made, he was probably going to end up going to this guy who I just learned very recently via Gronk's promo he cut on Fox is nicknamed the Squirrel. Now, the reason why he was an incredible punt returner and something that doesn't get talked about a lot, they only talk about his wide receiver stats and everything like that, is because I think he played football in a fashion and Bill Belichick summed it up is he was fearless 
He was committed. He was explosive. He had great vision. And it felt like no matter what happened, his teammates rallied around him. He was the only returner for a good bit of my career that would not have a conversation with me before the game. I was going to be punting to him. He knew I was going to be punting to him. I knew he, I was going to be punting to him. He would be catching punts from their punter right next to me, which is kind of how it always worked. You would kind of punt the opposite way. And every single time, I would try to spark a conversation. I'd say, hey, how you doing? You know, how, how's it going? And they would probably say, like, not bad or whatever it was going to be. And I'm like, hey, if we get into the open field today, don't run me over. And normally there's a good little pop there, you know what I mean? And they're like, no, 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 that's you or whatever they would normally say in a complimentary fashion back because I've been told that every returner was shown an entire highlight of me tackling people, basically, saying to them going into the game, like, cannot end up on this list. There's a lot of people on there because for returners getting tackled by the punter is not necessarily a a good thing. So I would always try to set the tone in warm-ups. I would try to win them over a little bit. Hey, try to juke me, you know, so then I could potentially use the old bait and tackle where, ooh, ooh, a little bit of a round white, a little bit slow, try to get the edge. Ah, I'm going to close that thing and I'm going to go for it. So whenever they try to run you over, though, there's really, you know, you're kind of stuck in the track. So I was always, you know, I was always trying to like, hey, don't run me over. We get in the open field. And Josh Cribbs, actually, we got into the open field on a kickoff, and uh, he tried to run around me, where he very clearly could have just (laughs) shoved my face right into the ground. He tried to run around me. I wrap him up. I tackle him. As he's standing, he looks at me and goes, I should have tried to run you over. And I laughed, laughed and I said, you got it. Julian would not talk to me, would not even say a word. He actually caught two punts, the one more. So he caught a punt, and I was trying to talk to him. Then another punt catches another punt and then just runs off. Would not, ultimate competitor would not say anything. I ran into him in L.A. in the offseason. It was after I was doing something on NFL Network. And they asked me to rank my top five, I think, most feared punt returners or whatever. And I put them at number one. I put them at number one. I was like, this guy scares the shit out of me. He's not going to give a fair catch. He's going to try to make the most of every single play. It was on NFL Network. It aired. That hit the social media and everybody's like, oh, so he's the best returner you've ever, uh, you've ever seen. It was like, well, he was the one I don't like playing because he just never, I'm a fair catch guy and he never gave a fair catch or whatever. So kind of spurred an entire conversation. We run into each other a couple weeks later. He said, he thanks me for that situation. We have an embrace we have a couple drinks we have a good time and ever since then it has been an absolute delight following him in social media his documentaries the things he creates off the field whether it's with Danny Amendola the short little bits or the burger time thing or whatever it was watching him dominate on the field I am a massive fan of Julian Edelman as a football player and uh, it was I was very fortunate to play against him now I think he's a hall of famer I think it's going to be a long time whenever he finally gets in there but uh, I I think I think he's going to go in. Now let's go to at Boston Connor, who is a New England Patriot fan. I'd assume you guys absolutely fucking love Julian Edelman. Oh yeah, put him in the Hall of Fame first ballot, no doubt about it. I mean, <laughs> okay, when, you, when you look at everything that he's done over the course of time, you know, he's played defense, he's played special teams, he's played offense. But I feel like rarely do you see a guy retire like this, and every single person comes out with something you know positive to say. There's nothing negative about Julian Edelman that you saw yesterday uh, on the internet. At well, least. yeah, yeah, the the immediate negative was. Heinz Ward's not in. Mm-hmm. Reggie yeah, Wayne's sure. not in. They're, they're, that's the immediate, which stinks, by the way. Philip Rivers retires, and instead of taking two minutes of saying, hey, Phil, hell of a run. Hell yeah. of a career. Nice job, Phil. Hell of a run. Instead, it immediately goes, not a Hall of Famer. 
It's not to haul good. It's not to haul good. Uh-huh. And it's literally, immediately upon the guy's retirement, he hasn't even been able to pick up his whistle at that new school where he's coaching at. They're like, not, not fucking good enough. Hey, good run. Starting quarterback for like 25 years in the NFL. Not good enough. You stink. Get the fuck out of here. Sorry. It's about time you're tired, man. We've been, that's kind of what started happening yesterday with Julian Edelman. Yeah. It was like everybody who played alongside of him, I think, and played against him was like, hey, this guy, love him, love him, love him. And then immediately everybody's like, not all of it. Don't even start the Hall of Fame conversation. And by the way, I understand that's a society we live in, yeah. but it kind of stinks that that's immediately what, what everybody goes to. But by the way, you got to be pretty fucking good if that's a conversation that's happening immediately upon your retirement. Yeah, I honestly thought Heinz Ward was already in Me too. the Hall yeah. of Fame. Me too, just to be clear. He won Dancing with the Stars. That was the parade. Okay, uh, that was sure. different. See, okay. in my head, I had a Heinz Ward parade Hall of Fames. where he was by himself. Yeah. So I was like, oh, that's probably Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. It was actually Dancing with the Stars he won. He okay. had parade. Well, in either way, though, right? Like, you remember yeah. a Heinz Ward. You're going to remember a Julian Edelman, whether he's in the Hall of Fame or not. And that's all you really want from a career, right, is we, to be remembered. We, and- we, especially in New England. Yeah. 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 We chatted about this off air a little bit. And that was, I think, last night as I was laying there thinking there, I was like, okay, got to talk for three hours tomorrow. <laughs> all right. What are we going to talk about? have to talk about Julian Edelman. Oh, okay, so now everybody's going to want to hear whether or not I think he's a Hall of Famer. And I'm yeah. like, I think he is a Hall of Famer. And then it was like, but if you say that, you're immediately saying he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. It's like, well, I, by the way, I'd put him in first ballot Hall of Fame. Yes. I don't think others will. The people that hold the Hall of Fame at a level that is so, by the way, which they, that's their right to do so, yeah. the, the prestigious level of whatever. But for me, I think the Hall of Fame is a celebration of the game. And I think just like with Philip Rivers, like I think Philip Rivers is somebody that the NFL should be like, we had this guy, mm-hmm. he had 75 kids, never swore, played for blah, blah, blah. Like, I yeah. think that is what the Hall of Fame is in my eyes. It's like a museum almost, like, a, hey, this is what we have. I think Julian Edelman has done enough in my eyes, to be remembered among the game's greats for the decisions and the plays that he's made in critical situations that will be played 20 to 30 years from now when he goes in and people will be like, holy, that catch. Yes. That catch against the Falcons. Absolutely insane. His punt returns, the highlights, the everything, the big third downs that had to be made. It was just like those moments, I think, are worthy enough of a conversation for him to be in the museum of the NFL at some point. There was one play I saw, and it was a third and fourth with 10 minutes left against the Seattle Seahawks in the Super Bowl, and he gets destroyed by Cam Chancellor, but holds on to the ball first down on a third and 14. It's just he, so many of those plays that you just forget about. The, the throw to Amendola against the Ravens, there are so many like little things like that where it's like you forget how awesome this guy was, but then you watch it again. It's like, okay, yeah, put him in the Hall of Fame immediately. So Chuck Pagano used to say, listen, the game is a boxing match, okay? There's going to be a lot of jabs. There's going to be some of this. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a couple there. Here's a play. Here's a play. And then there's going to be a boom. Something's going to come. And the play doesn't know or who doesn't know who or how it's going to be made. The play just needs to be made. Is it going to be on your side or on their side? Yeah. And it feels like some of those plays get forgotten about where maybe a play happens in the the fourth quarter, 10 minutes left. Mm-hmm. If it's not made, then all of a sudden this entire dynasty is potentially completely different. Oh, and yeah. it feels like Julian has a lot of those plays throughout the thing. It's like the play that really made or changed this entire game, which potentially led to this entire narrative of the greatest dynasty in the history of sports – 
was made by this quarterback from Kent State here out of nowhere. I mean, it was just, I feel like there's a lot of those situations, which is why 20 to 30 years from now, when he's talked about, they will say all the things that we're saying and he will get his his spot in yeah. the hall. Do you think Brady being the quarterback and everyone saying like, well, you know, it's Edelman, but also he had Brady throwing him the ball. Like, do you think that hurts these guys like Welker even kind of? Well, you got to think like Reggie, right? So, yeah, exactly. So Reggie is unbelievable, but Marv got in. You know, yeah. Marv had Peyton. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I think you have to have a great quarterback to be a great wide receiver. Yeah. I mm-hmm. think you – it's – Mark Schleyer said it the other day, kind of as a hater, by the way, of other positions. But he was like, no team has ever been one wide receiver away from winning a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. He actually said 10 other people have to do their jobs incredibly well for a wide receiver even to get the ball or whatever. He was a hater, right? He's yeah. an offensive line <laughs> yeah. guy. Yeah. He was a hater. He was hating about that whole thing. It's not 10, actually. It's probably just about seven. But that's a very valid point. There are a lot of um, depend-upon positions in the sport of football, which is why it's the ultimate team sport. The quarterback has to depend upon the offensive line. Yeah. Wide receivers have to depend upon the quarterback, which has to depend upon the offensive line. It's There's so many things that have to go, but I, I, I think it's, it's going to be hard to be a great wide receiver if you don't have a great quarterback. Yeah, I'd agree with Schlereth aside from the fact that the Packers were probably one wide receiver away last year from a Super Bowl. Imagine <laughs> if they had a little bit more depth. Just one yeah. more. Just a little Just bit more depth. More Maybe two, by the way. Hey, sure. let's not get crazy. Yeah. Especially with what the Buccaneers are doing down yeah. there. Mm-hmm. The Buccaneers just added Giovanni Bernard, who a lot of people have compared exactly to James White of the New England Patriots, yeah. even mm-hmm. being the longest tenured running backs at the teams that they were at. And Tom Brady and James White had massive success together. Check Downs, short throws. Now the backfield for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is as such. Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones, Giovanni Bernard. That is to be added in with Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Gronkowski, Tom fucking Brady, Cameron Bright in a retooled offensive line, an entire defense that's hot and just won a Super Bowl. Scooty Miller. Oh, Scott. Yeah, come on. Scoot, Scoot, Scotty Miller. I completely forgot about that. It may be probably Antonio Brown coming back as well. If you're a team that doesn't have weapons. You have to look at at the top of the conferences and be like, holy shit, it's nice to have an absolute arsenal of talent around you. And Ty, I hate to go back to this, but it feels like the Green Bay Packers are capable of potentially keeping up with those teams, Mm. especially because the guy who's hosting Jeopardy is still very well. Yeah, still crushing it. Still crushing it on Jeopardy. He can make any throw to anybody. The offense, LaFleur, feels like he knows the offense inside and out now at this point. You get two, three more weapons out there, four or five more weapons. Yeah. five, six more weapons. You, know I mean? <laughs> you have to think like that, though, as a fan. Well, and that's this is the, the thing about, like, this kind of stuff, it, it just reinforces that, like, the salary cap, I feel like that's such a shitty excuse. Like, it's just an excuse to use when you're not doing stuff because look how many people, look how much money. The, the Bucks didn't have any money, and they resigned everybody. They brought everybody back. They found a way to do it. So whether it's they have a guy who is very good at manipulating the salary cap, right? I just feel like you can't sit back on that and use that as an excuse constantly when other teams are finding ways around it. Well, in you see Giovanni Bernard sign down there, and you go like, of course. This is like the old school Patriots. Yeah. When uh, Bill Belichick would do something, it was like, of course. Now, like, if the Buccaneers bring somebody in or the Chiefs bring somebody in, they're like, of course. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's just like a natural turn of the tide of who's the big dog yeah. in the league and who isn't anymore. Now, granted, the Patriots have gone all in to try to make <laughs> this thing work. Now, <laughs> is Cam Newton going to be the guy all year? I guess that will be tested early. But they got a bunch of weapons up there. And I think Bill Belichick 
Nick Saban and Bill Belichick realizing something about football is as two OGs in football, old school football guys, yeah. them both realizing like, hey, listen, it ain't about time of possession, defense, running the ball, field position. It ain't about, right now, it is about scoring. Mm-hmm. You need to score and score and hope your defense can get stops in critical spots. It's not like, it's almost like in basketball. For instance, Steph Curry just became the all-time leading scorer in uh, Warriors history. Yes, Steph. Pass Wilt Chamberlain. Pretty good. Not bad. He's potentially going to double the amount of points he has right now, too. So this this run could become one that is just unattainable by everybody else because Steph Curry absolutely changed basketball whenever he came in. And Golden State, to to their credit, kind of were like, yeah, just do what you got to do. We're going to make this thing the Splash Brothers. We're going to get a bunch of shooters. We're going to stop shooting twos. Why are we shooting twos? Anyways, it's only worth two points. Stupid. There's another shot that's available. It's worth three points. Come on. It is just science here. It completely changed basketball. And and I would assume that the the thoughts playing against that Golden State team is like, hey, they're going to get theirs. Yeah. Okay, we just got to get some. It's almost like that in football now, too. It's Mm -hmm. like, hey, they're going to get theirs. We just got to get some crucial stops. Like, in big moments, third, fourth quarter, we have to get some crucial stops. That's almost what football is becoming. Like, you can't expect your defense, and even though that guy for the Cowboys last year said, I ain't fucking running for 80. No way. way. That guy is awesome. Yeah. He uses uses outside voice for an inside thought. Mm -hmm. Uh And he wasn't the only one who thought that. But you can't expect your defense. I mean, maybe you can. Maybe there will be a defense that will just come in, just dominate and win the entire thing. But your defense has to be a defense that's good. Like the Colts defense, for instance. Yeah. Overtime. When they had to make a play, crucial stop, strip, how you doing, mm-hmm. kick field goal against Packers. Like, that's what you need. You need playmakers on the defensive side of the ball, too, that in those big moments, in those crucial moments, will make big plays. And on the other side, you got to be able to fucking score. I think that is the sport of football right now. And if your team isn't doing that, it's like, okay, are you really, are you really even in the game anymore? Well, and that's what's frustrating with the Packers, too, is like when you look at what they're doing, if they think that Rodgers' talent or whatever is slipping a little bit, then why wouldn't you bring in a couple? guys to help him get back to whatever level you think he slipped from and on the inverse if you think he is just the one that's making these guys better and it doesn't matter you can just plug and play there then what the fuck are you doing you know making him play on a year-to-year contract and just pissing him off yeah it's can't have your cake and eat it too what the hell is going on over there i don't know but i don't like it we get attacked by Packers fans whenever we talk about this oh you sounding like everybody else it's like well you know why everybody else is talking about it too because we all you know, see the same thing here. Yes. Yeah. The fuck is going on? I don't want it to happen Mm-mm. at all. No. I owns the team. You kidding me? Ty doesn't want it to happen either. But in the sports world we live in, you know, contracts are maybe the most crucial thing in this yeah, entire yeah. game. Very important. important. They're, 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 they're maybe the <laughs> most. This is, you know, and this is sometimes why people hate professional sports because of the contracts and they're like eh, you, you guys don't even it's not even love of the game anymore it's like you're right actually no it's, we do love the game but this is a business okay there's a 110 billion dollar deal that was just signed by the other side <laughs> yeah here. yeah so once you tell them to stop acting like it's uh, just love of the game we'll stop acting like it as well and then once you realize that oh it is a business this is a livelihood this whole thing it's like okay contracts are the next most important thing and that one is not set up in a fashion where it's like Aaron's going to be around all the time. You see all these other guys who are getting paid exorbitant amounts of money. It's like, well, hey, did that guy win the MVP last year? Is this guy as good as I am? Right, I don't let, think so. Let's get to a break. Brady. Let's get to a break. Yeah, Tom Brady goes down Just 
they build an entire team around him. Bruce Arians now says he wouldn't be against drafting another quarterback, which means he said nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so he said absolutely nothing. But the Buccaneers were very clear. We're going to bring in a quarterback that's much older than Aaron Rodgers, and we're going to build this team to have success right now. Mm -hmm. We're going to build this thing around. Still working. By the way, fruits came from the labor. They won a Super Bowl. Uh It is still building and going. Um, Joining us now can be found on Twitter at 89Jones, N-T-A-F. Never think about failure, I believe is what that stands for, via our last conversation, which was electric former wide receiver in the NFL. The Green Bay Packers is probably where you know him best, ladies and gentlemen, James Jones. Yeah! How are you, bub? What's up, fellas? Did I get that right? Never think about failure? Never think about failure. You're right on it, man. I tell you what, whenever, because uh, I had to find your Twitter real quick because I wanted to promote it or whatever, and I, at 8-9-Jones-N-T-A-F, and I was like, N-T-A-F, I was like, oh, never think about failure. I remember it was like a beautiful, you went on like this entire run about it. It Look, here I am. This is like almost like, what, six months, seven months later, remembering it. You're doing great work over there, James. You're a smart dude, man. I appreciate it, man. I'm trying to be like you. That's it. No, 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 no. Listen, <laughs> you're way better than I am, way smarter than I am. I think about failure a lot. Now, <laughs> let's move uh, along here. James, We, as we went into a commercial break before you joined us here, we were talking about how Giovanni Bernard just went down to Tampa Bay. And this continues a string of Tampa Bay loading up an arsenal of weapons. And then if you think about the top of the AFC with the Kansas City Chiefs, they have a loaded roster with talent. And then you can't help but think automatically about the Green Bay Packers where, listen, they have incredible, incredible skill position, guys, great tight end. But you can, I think at this point in the NFL, you have to be loaded at the skill position to win at this point because injuries could happen, the way the offenses go. Do you agree with that or do you think I'm mistaken with that? Why don't the Packers do that? 100%, man. You're right on. You can never have enough good players. You play in this league long enough. You can never have enough good players. Injuries happen. And that's why you want to load up and you want to have all these good players just in case that happens. I mean, the year we won the Super Bowl in 2010, we lost 17 starters. But we knew the guys that behind, that was behind the starters could be starters. You know, we were stacked like that. We were loaded like that. And we did not miss a beat. And that is what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Kansas City Chiefs, and teams like that who understand that the windows to win Super Bowls are not big. You have to win them while you can. So if you have the chance to load up, load up to go try to win another Lombardi Don't, I hate. And by the way, I love everything you just said, but I hate when people are like, well, is he the long-term answer? Is he the long-term answer? It's like, how long is long-term? Like, if you're going to win two Super Bowls in the next four years, is that long-term enough for you? Like, yeah. what, what do you, you know? Like, the window thing closing is real, and you have to know when you're in there, and you have to attack, which is why I think all of us, and I would assume you're the same exact way as somebody who predicted Aaron was going to win the MVP last year, actually. All of us looking outside are like, What's going on? Like, why is this happening? You see Tom leave New England, older than Aaron, and you see Jason Light, Bruce Arians be like, hey, listen, let's fucking, let's do this thing. Drew Brees, you see the same thing. Like, hey, let's go ahead and do this thing. With Aaron, it's like, if they don't do that, why? And if they do do that, I think if you're a Packers fan, you should expect a lot of success very quickly, I think, right? 
100%, man. And, and I wish I had the answer for you. I wish I was a GM because I loaded up for Aaron <laughs> No, man, when you when you look at what all these GMs are doing around the NFL, man, and then you come to the Green Bay Packers and, you know, they have a certain way of what they – of what they do. They like to draft and develop. That's how Ted Thompson was. Ted Thompson was a guy who loved to draft and develop. And he would rather see one of the guys he drafted and develop to get the opportunity than bringing in another big-time free agent. That's just the way they were built. These other teams, they're like, we don't care if we drafted you or not. If this dude is on the market, we are going to get him to load up. You know, so with Aaron Rodgers, you know, played at an MVP level last year, but we all understand that, you know, the end is coming. So with that being said, everything that he has done for your organization, load the team up for this guy to give him an opportunity to go win a couple Super Bowls before this thing is over because you never know when he's going to call it. You never know when he might be out of Green Bay. You don't know. So load up and give this dude an opportunity to go compete with Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady and those guys. Uh, We're talking to James Jones, former wide receiver of the Packers, but also with the Raiders, Giants, and Chargers? Yeah. Okay. Good work back there, by the way. That was really good. We put that whole thing together. I started thinking about this yesterday uh, because there was a stat that came out about the amount of money that was spent in free agency by Green Bay, and the idea has always been we're going to kind of build from within and do this whole thing. We're not going to spend money. After going to other places, do you think the fact that the Packers don't have an owner, like don't have one person that's like, I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to do that, do you think that is something that potentially – is a little bit of a detractor from their potential success because there isn't like for instance what's his name john uh the giants guy mara john mara he came out and said i'm sick of having to explain why we stink so they started spending money like they started spending a bunch of money. robert Kraft was like we stink we're gonna spend a lot of money yep. the green bay packers there's no real owner who's like i'm tired of seeing this happen or this happen i'm gonna go do it do you think that's potentially a detriment and i never thought about this while i was in the league only now that i'm a packers fan i'm starting to kind of think about it from experience do you think that's real or no well number one is a double-edged sword because the Packers have been winning have they been winning Super Bowls no but you have been in the playoffs consistently you have been winning so when you're sitting over there as a GM even though we don't have an owner you're looking like all right we've been winning we've had great seasons we've been in multiple NFC championships have we won Super Bowls no but what we're doing we believe is working and eventually we'll get to that Super Bowl you know what I mean so I think that's the Packers mindset number two when it comes to free agents if I'm a free agent and I come to Green Bay and they offer me some good money and I get off that plane in Green Bay and see that there's absolutely nothing out there. And then I go to New York <laughs> and they offer me the same money. And I see everything that's out there when I get off the plane. It might be New York. So I do believe that some of these free agents get off the plane like, oh, shoot. I don't know if this is for me, Green Bay. It ain't really too much out here. Now, the guys that were drafted there is the best place in the world to play football but we were drafted there we didn't have no choice we didn't look at any other cities and then we, you fall in love with green bay because they do it the best way it's an unbelievable place so i do think it's hard to get free agents in there because when you talk about a free agent wide receiver who wouldn't want to play with aaron Rodgers? that's but when what I, was... I get off the plane and i see what's in green bay and i get off the plane and i get to new york and it's like, oh, I, I wouldn't mind playing with Daniel Jones with all this talent. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's he can, it is, he's know? got big so, upside. He's, he's got big upside. I mean, there's <laughs> things to do. Usually, people, if you're a free agent, if I'm the Green Bay Packers, 
I'm taking them right to the Oneida Casino. Mm -hmm. Taking them right to the Oneida Casino. I'm saying, hey, we got meetings tomorrow. You just kind of hang out here for the rest of the night. We'll see you tomorrow. I enjoyed, I was there for two nights or whatever to call a game. I love the city, but you're right. When you get out there, there's a lot of like, oh, there ain't nothing. There ain't nothing around here. But then you get to like a town or a village or whatever, and it's like, oh, this is awesome. These people are very nice, very cool. But I I didn't even think about that, by the way. I didn't even think about that. What do you have, Ty? Yeah, James, uh, we've talked to a couple people about wide receivers coming out and how it seems like they're ready to go quicker nowadays. But then people have also said that maybe it's just a good receiving class. Uh, do you see any guys this year who you think are going to have a, an immediate impact? And do you think receivers nowadays are are more ready to play and, and be successful in the NFL right away? You know what I, I, I truly think is about the receiver going to the right situation. You know, those guys that are going to go high, you know, if you go to a situation where you're not with a good quarterback, it's, it's hard for any receiver to, to play at a high level if you don't have a good quarterback. But a lot of these guys coming out of this draft this year, man, they are going to go into some very good situations. You know, you got Cincinnati who needs a wide receiver. You got the Dolphins who need a wide receiver who has very good, very good quarterback play and is going to go into some very good situations to be able to have immediate impact. But my favorite guy in the, in, the, in the draft right now, you know, Jamar Chase. But it's my, my favorite favorite is, is, is Waddle from Alabama, man. This is a Swiss Army knife. He could do everything. I mean, he's an explosive kid. Whoever gets his hand on him, immediate impact, big-time player. So, uh, you know, Peacock. You know Peacock? You know Peacock, the network? Oh, yeah. Okay, so they have something when you sign up, it's like premium. And you think yep. like, okay, that means I'm not getting the fucking commercials because it's premium. Yep. <laughs> then they actually they actually have something else. It's like the up is like four ninety nine more or something like that. It's even more you got to pay for. It. What you just did there is my favorite and then my favorite favorite. I don't think you're allowed to do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, my, on. my favorite, my favorite favorite is Waddle. <laughs> <laughs> it does feel like these young guys, though, with Judy last year and uh, Jefferson. Jefferson yeah. was unbelievable. And we, we asked Lane Kiffin about it, who's obviously at Ole Miss, been in the NFL, been in college. We said, do you think this is going to be a turn of the tide? And he's like, no, I just think some dudes are dudes. And it's just like there happens to be some guys. Do you think it's going to continue or you think like we are just potentially in a little bit of a – because Devontae Smith, by all accounts, is probably going to be unbelievable. Uh, uh, Waddle is going to be unbelievable. Jamar Chase is probably – I mean, it seems like all the – Pitts, by the way, with the tight end, if we're going to get in there, it feels like all these guys are locks. Do you think that's just going to continue? Because back in the day, everybody's like, well, we don't know if he'll be able to make the transition. We don't know if he'll be able to understand the defense. We don't know that whole thing. It feels like now weapons – and it might just be the dudes, but it feels like maybe with the way the offenses have changed in the college football and the NFL is kind of similar now, there's a chance we could see a real birth, which might hurt free agent wide receivers, by the way, if there's more on the way, you know? No, you're absolutely right, but I, I still feel like it's the same because it's a lot of guys still – in, in our game, they get drafted high, and we're like, man, oh, shoot, he ain't really doing nothing. You oh, this know guy I mean? stinks. Then some, of the late, then there's some of the late round picks who find themselves in very good situations, and they end up being ballers. But I just think Jamar Chase and Waddle have stuff that you cannot teach. It's stuff that you wake up out of the bed with, and it's just true, true natural ability, God-given ability that you cannot teach, and they're special players. Devontae Smith, is as good as he is, winning the Heisman and all that, he doesn't have what those guys have. Okay. You know what I mean? So in my humble opinion, coming coming out of this draft, those are the two guys that I feel like no matter what situation they go to, 
They're they're going to be they're going to be special players. Devontae Smith, in my humble opinion, needs to go somewhere where he they got an established quarterback, an established coach system, and he'll get out there and ball and do his job. Well, and we'll see if that happens or not. We're talking to Super Bowl champion wide receiver James Jones, formerly of the Packers, Giants. Raiders and Chargers. Uh, the quarterbacks, you said Miami's going to be looking for a wide receiver and they got a good quarterback down there. You're sold on to it then? And how do you feel about these, uh, the, the current quarterback class that's coming out? A lot of fucking conversation about these guys right now, James. I mean, it is. Un- Trevor Lawrence, nobody's talking about. He's got the playbook already from Jacksonville. Oh. That's got to be against the rules. Whoa. Kick him out of the AFC South. <laughs> okay, that's got to be. But everybody else, it feels like this is potentially wide open. How do you feel about these younger quarterbacks? Man, to be honest with you, you know, everybody, and as you should, you should be talking about Trevor Lawrence. But I think the best quarterback in this draft when it's all said and done is going to be Zach Wilson, man. I, I watched this dude, and I've yeah. seen his pro day, and the way he flicks this ball and the flick of the wrist and the arm angles he can throw this ball, it got Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers written all over him, man. And I just think that this kid right here, when it's all said and done, when their careers are over, we're going to be looking back quarterback in this draft. Even though Trevor Lawrence is the bona fide number one, got the playbook already from Jacksonville, this kid right here is special. And then you got Jones from Alabama, who I truly believe is is, is a very good game manager. So if he could get to somewhere, you know, I know everybody thinks the Niners are going to take him, but I think if he could get somewhere and he could sit behind a good veteran quarterback when it's his time, I think he'll be primed and ready to go. But it's a very good quarterback class, man, that you should be excited about. But I'm really excited about Zach Wilson, man. I think this kid right here is going to be absolutely special. In the last time we talked to you, you talked about Aaron Rodgers hopefully getting a little bit of your swag or whatever. Zach Wilson loves the swag. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. He actually t- he gave a full answer about swag and talked about Aaron's swag, yeah. mm-hmm. which led to Aaron giving an answer about swag actually is your inner essence and how you own it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was uh, an entire thing that I think you were a part of. Zach Wilson was a part of. Uh, I, I like to hear that from you, though, because I didn't even think you're talking about that off-balance uh, pro day throw he made. Absolutely. But even when you watch him play, man, when you watch him play at BYU, man, you see a lot of those throws show up, man. And like I said, that's just stuff that you cannot teach. Everybody trying to find a Patrick Mahomes and all that. He's not out there, man. This is stuff that you cannot teach these throws. And Zach has that written all over him, man. Russell Wilson released a video. His social media team put together a video of him uh, talking about to catch a wolf, the big bad wolf. I believe he's talking about Tampa Bay. Uh, you have to be a wolf to catch a wolf. And then it's him working out. And he actually, in that video, they put two of the Zach Wilson Pro Day throws with him in full pads that in the video. Scary. It was like, oh, Russell Wilson's got a little uh, a little pettiness in Ooh, that. Yeah. I, like, I like that out of Russell Wilson. What do you have, Connor? Yeah, James, you played for the Giants. And it seems like for some reason uh, in New York – the media is much harder on the Jets than they are on the Giants. Is that true, do you think? And also, does do they put too much pressure on the players to perform immediately? Well, I mean, it's very true. But, I mean, we're in a business that the only thing that matters is winning. And the Giants have done a little bit more winning than the Jets <laughs> as of age. So I think, you know, the Jets have put all that on themselves of, of what the product that they've put on the football field and not given and not showing wins. So, you know, that's that, that that speaks for itself. So 
if the Jets, if Robert Sala could come in there, man, and he could turn this stuff around, man, and put some wins on the board and the Giants is laying eggs, everybody will be looking like, man, they are killing the Giants. The media are on the Giants. So I just think it's all about which team is doing better out there. And the Giants over the years have been the better team in New York, man, and the Jets have been getting the bad end of the stick out there. Hey, we went through a graphic yesterday that our, uh, our graphic guy, Dirty, uh, Dirty Gertie, put together. 25 years of quarterback play for the Jets. Man, (laughs) it was it was so bad. And by the way, a lot of Jets fans reacted to our video of it. And they were like, listen, we had to live this. All right. There's no reason for you to go back. Look at this. These are the names of the quarterbacks with their records. Vinny Testaverde, he had a 31 and 17 record. Get him the hell out of here, though. Need him gone. There's been a couple in there that win, but everybody basically loses over there. Uh, Maybe it's just the organization. Do you think there's some, you've said this a couple times now with wide receivers and with quarterbacks going to the right. Do you think there's just some organizations that are just set up for failure from jump and why and why and why though (laughs) that's a very good question but i do because when you look at the jets you're looking for this quarterback you're looking for this guy to come in there and just turn your organization upside down but as we know man it's, it's a team game you need defense you need people that can stop people you need guys on the outside that can run routes. You need to be able to protect your quarterback. So when a quarterback comes into the Jets, man, it's going to take time. You have to build a defense around him. you got to get weapons around him for him to even have a shot. A lot of these rookie quarterbacks come on some of these teams, even though they're not very good teams, at least they have very good players on the defensive side of the ball or very good receivers and things like that to be able to help them out. The quarterback coming into the Jets, he doesn't really have a lot of help, man. And it's been like that for a very long time. I mean, Mark Sanchez had a very good, very good defense, and he was able to put together some wins and get them to, to some AFC championships. But the other quarterbacks didn't have a lot of help, man. So whatever quarterback they draft or bring in, you better make sure you give him some time and build some help around him, man, to help the kid out. Yeah, he's going to have to survive to make some of those off-balance throws you were talking about that not <laughs> oh, a lot yeah. of people have. Joe Burrow almost died last year mm-hmm. in Cincinnati. I mean, that was – we've said this a couple of times. There's no indoor facility there. His head on that one hit, the body – completely moved and his yeah. head Left. stayed the same it was on 24 inches i've never scary and then he got back out yeah. then he got back on the field i'm like this dude and they're like yeah he likes to feel that in it's like you know what i don't like him I don't, I don't like him doing that uh what do you have time james when you talk about these young quarterbacks coming into the league and they're trying to develop like a chemistry with the receivers like how long did it take you and aaron to get that type of rapport where it felt like you were just on the same page because he always had the you know the back shoulder throws with you and jordy like at what point did you realize like it was almost unspoken and you guys kind of just knew what the other one was looking Looking to do you know it, it took about it took about four years for me to look at Aaron and know what Aaron was know exactly what Aaron was thinking man you know what I mean a lot a lot of these a lot of these teams and, and organizations and young guys think like oh man we have a training camp and a couple practices and our and our chemistry is there no you know you need way more time than that Going into my fourth season is when I really knew that, man, me and Aaron are locked in. We are on the same page. I could look at him and know exactly what he's thinking. And one play always comes to mind, man. We were we were playing the Denver Broncos at home, and we had a we had a red zone post on. And when you're in the red zone, that we we call the red zone in Green Bay 25 and in. So when you're in the red zone, Go you must it. cross the DB's face. <laughs> You know, if you don't cross the DB's face, you're putting the quarterback in harm's way. If he throws that ball, it's going to be picked off. 
So during that route, the DB was so far inside. I'm like, man, there is no way that I'm going and crossing this dude's face because number one, I know I ain't going to get the ball. Number two, I'm going to be looking to my family like, man, he out there getting jammed up. Look at this dude. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be like a two-yard like that. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to have an MA. I'm going to mess my assignment up, but I'm going behind him. And I went behind him. And as I look back, the ball was coming right behind dude. Maybe the greatest throw I've ever seen Aaron threw, throw to me. The ball was coming right behind him. And I caught the ball for a touchdown. And as I was jogging back, I'm looking at him like, man, my bad. He was like, that's exactly what I wanted you to do. You know what I mean? And right then and there, I'm like, oh, shoot, we are really locked in on the same page. Because in practice, 24-7, all Coach Mike is screaming, you must cross his face. And at that moment, me and Aaron was like, not on this one. <laughs> Aaron, Aaron's not sitting there. Aaron's like, scary ninja. Okay, then he looks over, he sees you, and he's like, uh. James's family's going to think he's a punk if he goes in front of there. All right, let's just go. 100%. We cannot have that. <laughs> we cannot we can have that, man. But, no, it, it took us about four years to where, like, on certain plays, Aaron could look at me twice, and I know exactly what he's, what he's thinking. Okay, so this will be the last question. We can't thank you enough for joining us, by the way, James. You're always great on this show, and we appreciate that from you. The, Not a problem, man. The, um, the thought of the no OTAs, I guess the NFLPA's head is saying, like, we'll boycott them because they're voluntary, which never, ever will work, okay? People will show up, people will go, and then other people will look bad. Then it'll become a media circus. I mean, that's just, we all see how it's going to happen here. This is just, it's very easy to see what's going to happen. You're acting very naive if you think that's not going to happen. But with that being said, maybe an attack on off-season training. That means to build up that chemistry, okay, that you talked about that took you four years, there's going to have to be a lot of quarterback wide receiver initiative then in the offseason, which some guys have, some guys maybe don't. But how do you think guys are going to be able to build that with the lack of practice time potentially in the facility and things like that? It all happens. It all has to happen off the field. And then are you maybe looking at a quarterback to see how like much they would be potentially doing that because that is going to be a massive deal to the success of your offense in the end? Number one, I'm not I'm not playing anymore, so it's easy for me to say, you know what I mean? Y'all need OTA. Hey, go to OTA. <laughs> hey, hey, by the way, you know 17 I mean? games, 17 games. Hey, this is awesome. <laughs> this is awesome. 100%. So, so for me, the veterans is not going to hurt them at all. Like you said, we like sometimes we come to practice, sometimes we don't. You know, OTAs is voluntary, but for the rookies, I always think back when I was a rookie, if I didn't have OTAs to get the playbook, to get all the checks, to understand what the quarterback is thinking, you know, how to run routes and all that type stuff. And then I come into training camp and I do not have to learn the playbook anymore. I'm just hitting the ground running, showing them my ability. This, that's who it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt the rookies who don't have, you know, that, that, that OTAs and that offseason training because now you have to come into training camp. And listen, you could go and throw with these quarterbacks at, at Hamilton High School all you want. But once you get in live bullets and this defense is coming at you and guys is moving again, it's totally different. 
You know what I mean? It's not routes on air. This is totally different in here. You know what I mean? So you have to adjust on the fly and have that that chemistry with the quarterback on the fly, and you're not going to get that unless you are in practices. And without OTAs, you're taking all that stuff out of the equation, and I truly think that it's going to hurt the rookies. It's not going to hurt Devontae Adams. It's not going to hurt Julio Jones and Matt Ryan. Them dudes is locked in on the same page. But for the Jamar Chases and the Devontae Smiths and those guys coming in, they need that, man. They need to get in there with their quarterbacks, get in some live bullets, get into some situations, and go out there. And when training camp comes, they already been through it. And let's go ball out. And by the way, that is where the entire conversation is going to be. All the rookies are going to be there. They're going to put pressure on the – I mean, it's going to become a scene. But, hey, we ain't got to fucking worry about it. We are retired. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, from the NFL Network, you can follow them on Twitter – at the number eight, the number nine, Jones, NTAF, never think about failure. We can't thank you enough, ladies and gentlemen, Super Bowl champion James Jones. People go through many changes as we get older, isn't that right? Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah. For men, one of the less fortunate changes is that testosterone production begins to naturally decrease in the body. Did you know this, AJ? I am aware. For most men, it begins around the age of 30 and testosterone production declines by roughly 1% per year. My God. So if you live to 130, you ain't got shit left. No, minus 30. Well, if it starts around 30, this is one of those questions on a test where, you know, begins around 30, and the testosterone production declines by roughly 1% per year. So does it start at zero or does it start at 30? That's the thing. This is where they can get you. It's one of them damn word problems. This is one of those yeah. problems where you're like, well, wait a minute. Uh, which, can I ask a follow-up? Anyways, I was good at those tests because I always viewed it as me versus the fucking teacher. That's right. Okay? <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but this is me versus you. Fuck you. That's how, I, that's how I view it. That's why friends at Roman have a new supplement designed to support testosterone production. I did not know this. They formulated their own supplements with transparent and scientifically backed ingredients. You hear this, AJ? Roman's mm-hmm. testosterone supplement is for anyone who wants to support their own body's natural function. They formulated their own blend with transparent and scientifically backed ingredients. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com USA. Their supplement contains vitamin D3, what? zinc, what? magnesium, what? maca, what? and ashwagandha in a unique blend designed by healthcare professionals that you can't get anywhere else. To learn more about these incredible ingredients, visit GetRoman.com USA. Roman is offering $15 off your first order and will deliver your supplements right to your door with free two-day shipping. When you go to GetRoman.com forward slash USA, get $15 off your first order plus free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman, G-E-T-R-O-M-A-N.com forward slash USA. That's good news. Let's try that stuff. Okay. I've been looking for that type of stuff. That's good news. Mm-hmm. That's what I want. Now we know. Hey, Roman. Thank you, Roman. Thank you, Roman. Thank you, Roman. Joining us now from NBC Sports Boston. He's also the host of Tom Curran's Patriots Talk podcast, where they talk about the Patriots. Okay. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Patriots insider, friend of the show, Tom E. Curran. Yeah! What's going on up there? You look like you're fresh out of Boston with that cap on. Love what you're doing. 
Yeah, I know. I, I put this on. I got the little Goody Petronelli, uh, Marvin Hadler trainer guy, uh, looking shirt on. I said, I'll put, on, I'll put on the wind, too. Match that stuff up. <laughs> Tom, you're the best, dude. Like, I, we, I heard you had wrote an incredible article about Julian Edelman, and I didn't have 40 to 50 minutes to read through the entire thing, but it was obvious that your passion for Julian Edelman was a real one. And I think we heard that a lot from Patriots fans. We obviously heard that from Bill Belichick, but his retirement, where would you put it alongside, and how do you think the entire community up there feels about it? I was, you know, full disclosure, lucky enough to write a book with him in 2017. His memoir is called Relentless. So I got to know him in a different way. And I got to know his family in a different way. Um, where I put the retirement, it really is another opportunity to take stock of what the Patriots were last decade and what they've been for two decades. And as he exits, I look at him as the Teddy Bruschi of the Dynasty 2.0. And that's really high praise. You know, I don't know if Julian will get in the Hall of Fame. Teddy Bruschi certainly isn't going to. But they're the heartbeat of the team, aside from Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, for those periods of time. Those are the guys, Pat, you know how they talk about the guy you follow off the bus to send the message of, okay, who are you dealing with today? And it's usually the biggest, meanest, toughest son of a bitch. Julian Edelman, to me, was the guy you'd follow off the bus because of who he was and how he played. Yeah, and I think all people respected the way he went about his business, too, that was in the NFL. You saw a lot of other players come out and be like, hell of a run. You know, like, uh, he was a great football player, respected by everybody. And you said you're not sure if he'll get in the Hall of Fame. I think he will in, like... 30 years, you know, like one of those, uh, you know, they'll start showing the highlights and then they'll talk about the pivotal plays he made that led to certain dynasty runs and things like I, I think he'll get in. I think he deserves it. And I just think it'll happen down the road. You know what I mean? Like, I think he deserves to be in the museum of the NFL, which is what I I believe the NFL Hall of Fame is. That's a great way to phrase it, because that is what it is. It's the museum of the NFL. Um, it's not for stat compilation. It's for impact, the beauty of the game, as illustrated by the players and the individuals who shaped it. Um, to me, the effort against Edelman's candidacy is ironic in that we've never been smarter as, as a fan or media base. And we've got an embrace that goes on of the analytics and a greater appreciation for what matters in games that goes beyond numbers. Yet everyone acts like a Neanderthal when it comes to Julian Edelman <laughs> and ignores the stats, which are not yards, not yards per catch, not receptions. It's a guy who really had a six-year NFL career. He was blocked out by Welker. He comes to the NFL as a wide receiver in 2013. Over the six-year span, he missed 2017. He uh, played nine games in 15 and six games in 19. So he had a six-year run. In that time, he had over 1,000 yards three times, over 100 catches three times, with 92 one year. Um, he won three Super Bowls. He had iconic plays. And if you ask me, there were things that he could do that Calvin Johnson and Julio Jones and DeAndre Hopkins can't, and vice versa. But that's the thing, man. Who do you want to deal with on third and three at your own 18 and the game on the line? Do you want to deal with DeAndre Hopkins on the outside or Julian Edelman in the slot? I would say it's – closer to a coin flip than you think.
Well, Tom Brady made that decision a lot, by the way, which was why Julian Edelman was so important to those runs. We're talking to Tom E. Curran, a man who authored a book titled Relentless alongside Julian Edelman, also Patriots insider for NBC Sports Boston. I should have known that coming into the conversation. <laughs> Just learned that you're the perfect person to be talking to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you are the perfect person to be talking to here, Tom. I read the book. I read the book. Of course. Yeah. I read, we all read the book. Cover I mean, it's cover. a great book. And watch the doc and everything. Uh, but I always respected Julian Edelman because not only wide receiver and what you're talking about, play defense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. As a returner, he was a nightmare. I hated punting to him. I actually ranked him as my least favorite punt returner to punt to whenever I was on NFL Network, which caused me a bunch of shit on the internet. I mean, I got attacked by a bunch of people, but I was like, this guy, fearless, We'll go for it. I love watching them play. I assume that's how everybody in New England has felt. Let's pivot ahead now to the team that the Patriots currently have. They went all in, $157.3 million in guarantees, I guess, on the first day of free agency. If my number is right, it might be 147, somewhere in that range. Robert Kraft came out and said, basically, we didn't like losing. Okay, we're nope. going for this thing. Bill Belichick said, I very much publicly with his moves. I understand we didn't have enough weapons to keep up in this whole thing. How do you see the team doing? Do you think this is something that gets them back into the conversation? Because everybody outside of New England is like, of course, Bill, we had one bad year. Now Bill is rebuilding the whole thing. How do you feel in there? How do you think the team's going to do? I think sort of what's wild about this is, you know, the Patriots had an opportunity here. Let me hit my little battery thing. Um, the Patriots had an oh, opportunity geez. here that doesn't present itself and hadn't presented itself ever. And Kraft was acknowledging that. Look, not only are they the greatest dynasty in professional sports in many ways, and, and certainly in the NFL, but they just caught an absolute rope that got dropped into the well that helped them out. Look, it's one thing to have all that cap space, but it's another thing to have the cap go down and everybody else be crying poor mouth when all this happens. So the Patriots targeted guys, they went after guys in positions that they didn't succeed in or address in the draft, and they bought all those guys. So it's a store-bought team instead of a homegrown team. But still, with Bill Belichick in charge, how does it change things, Pat? To me, if it's a seven-win team with an embarrassingly bad offensive roster and opt-outs, bad. it's an 11-win team now. So is that a 12-win then with 17? No, it's 11-6. and six. Sorry. Oh, okay. (laughs) Because, you know, I I, I didn't know if you were up. Because I'll tell you what. Hey, 9 and 8 does not sound good. (laughs) 10 and 7 doesn't even. Like 11 and 6 is the only thing that really sounds like, okay, successful. Imagine if you're 8 and 9 old. What would Jeff Fisher do do in this NFL? (laughs) Well, there is a thought that the Lions. Well, and one. There's a thought that the Cowboys could potentially go 8-8-1 eight, eight, and one and still tie a game so they can maintain. That was what the internet was saying. I'm not taking credit for that, or do I believe that. But there is a way to still be as average as you possibly can with an odd number of games. We're talking to Tommy Current of Boston. Uh, you think Cam Newton is – what's that? What you said happened in the year you're going. Well, I just – so I've been fasting. I've been fasting, so whenever I drink a lot of liquids to potentially fill up this space, it repeated on it. It comes up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it does. It does. I got to taste that thing again. Yeah, mid sentence. <laughs> you know, sometimes I got to force her down, but I, I tried my best. Are they sold on? Uh, by the way, thanks for looking out. Not a lot of people care about me enough to really ask if I'm okay there. It has happened before, believe it or not. And by the way, Tom, I don't know if you know, I'm up to something. But oh. um, 
The Cam Newton at quarterback sold, 100% sold, do you think, the Patriots? And what do you think the move is in the draft? Are they done making big moves? you think they're going to move in there? you think Bill's going to go ahead and shake some things up here? Need another wide receiver potentially with uh, the squirrel gone, and there's some money that has just opened up. I think they're going to sit in the draft unless something really avails itself. and They're going to be mobile if they have to be, but to me, you're going to get a lot of good players pushed down the draft board by some you know, pedestrian or project-laden quarterbacks. And all those wide receivers are going to go, and all of a sudden you're going to be sitting there looking at defensive tackles like Barmore or um, defensive backs like Farley um, or J.C. Horn who are going to be sitting there. And the Patriots do need some of that stuff on defense, so I wouldn't be surprised if they went there. Um, I, I don't know how – oh, the camp question. They needed clarity going into i love how you do interrupt backs um <laughs> they needed clarity and they got it by saying let's just re-up with cam if something else falls out of the quarterback tree into our backyard we'll go pick it up and say how about this and then maybe they'll put it in the stew oh look at this oh, we just fell huh. who's this Justin oh, Fields? Look at the Teddy Bridgewater just fell out of the tree huh should we use this yeah bring it in the house <laughs> see how it works all right well it costs 18 million are you cool with that still yeah, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> what do you have, Connor? Yeah. Connor is excited, by the way. Oh, you know. yeah. Tom, great to see you. You look fantastic. I mean, we couldn't ask for more. Your connection's even coming through. Uh, do kind you think- of. Your connection stands. It's 50-50 today. Uh, your, your connection. It's Massachusetts, probably. You yeah, know. the satellites are much further away in Mass. But uh, do you think the Patriots will look for a quarterback in the second, third round? And then for Edelman, do you see 11 getting retired, or do you think it will turn into like the number 50 where it gets passed down to like important players if you will oh that's a good question um i do see the patriots taking a quarterback in this draft um absolutely I, they need to replace stidham if stidham is not going to be with the team past this year so stidham yeah. stinks if stidham stinks he said stidham, if stidham stinks if seems like stidham hey connor was all in on like stidham you think it he seems st- like he stinks but i'm still <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's got time. Maybe he's still got time. Still hasn't had that second year off season that, that makes that guys make the leap with Patrick. Didn't true. Have it with him. Very true. Um, and as for the second corner was you, uh, a number eleven passed down oh, like yeah. the number fifty. That's a good question, man. Um, I don't know. I mean, they're 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 so strapped for numbers as it is. <laughs> I mean, they didn't retire it for Bledsoe, and then Julian got it. So I would say you keep that thing in circulation. I did not know that they passed down the number 50. Uh, I did not know that was a thing until Connor brought it up during the break. That's a really cool. What's that? Was that Nick Bonacani? And then it went to, uh, it's been in circulation still and went to Vrabel? Yeah, it was Vrabel to Ninkovich and then they kept it off the board. And then when Winovich got drafted, they gave it to him. Tom, what type oh. of do you not know, Tom? Are you are you covering the same <laughs> team that Connor's a fan of? What like the hell is going on? Tom? Well, they just don't retire numbers. Here's the funny thing. You'll appreciate this, Pat. You know, Bruce Armstrong, when he retired, Belichick came in. Bruce Armstrong um, was kind of a friend of Drew and was just not really psyched about the appearance of Belichick on the scene. And in order to save some money, and because Belichick was coming in new, Kraft wanted Armstrong to be kind of moved along from in a dignified way. What I understand to be the case is Armstrong said, yeah, fine, I'll retire, but I want my 78 retired. And uh, probably didn't deserve to have it retired. I mean, he was a pro bowler and might have had a few all pros, but 
they retired his number kind of at the point of a bayonet. And I don't think they've retired a number since. <laughs> so I don't think that they like retiring numbers. Okay, so so just real quick, from an outside of New England perspective who maybe doesn't know the history, that was the previous head coach? That was Pete Carroll. No, Belichick, when he was coming in, he's like, we're going to get rid of him. And we're going to get rid of Ben Coates. And uh, they're like, oh, no, no, no. We just hired you, and you're already killing us. We're releasing people. What are you doing, Bill? Well, how about we retire his number or something? (laughs) (laughs) We'll throw him a bone, dude. I'm surprised Bill at this point hasn't just unretired that thing and just handed it. You know what I mean? Like at this point, Uh remember what we had to do to prove that I was okay? I think I had a 20-year limit on that. He's the best, dude. How do you feel about uh, all the bullshit contracts that are happening in the NFL right now? Tom is a lifelong fan, obviously. Voidable years. Salary. I mean, Tom did this for a long time with New England, and nobody else was doing it. But the salary cap, the signing bonus, it feels like everybody's starting to do that now. Do you think Bill will get credit for this long term when this becomes just the way everybody does everything? Yeah, I think Bill gets a lot of credit for the innovative ways that he's done things. It's so fascinating to me that, again, it circles back to the Patriots having the unbelievable and once in a probably history of the NFL good fortune in the face of outright and utter destruction because of a pandemic that they were left holding the only golden ticket in the league. Uh, the Colts had one, too. We just didn't. Right, but the Colts stink. <laughs> <laughs> yes! <laughs> Thank you, Tom. Tom, I mean, everybody, Tom you. you cannot Go come away. on this show and just start acting like you're an internet person, okay? <laughs> you are... You want the Patriots to go away, and they end up getting the freaking life preserver thrown out to them. Here, <laughs> crap's going down good news for us uh, he's got that dog nike sitting there yep. yeah. i mean they're talking to the computer they're looking around so we're the only ones that have money oh there's other people that have money they're not gonna spend it <laughs> okay so craft i need every dollar we got okay mm-hmm. yeah you got it whatever you want to spend craft says <gasps> one time bill one time <laughs> <laughs> what do you have Connor? yeah tom speaking of craft he said that he's seen a different approach to the draft this year what does that mean like is there a chance we're going to be pretty aggressive here maybe trade up back into the first round after our pick or is it just kind of probably the same old song and dance take a cornerback like you just said i think the approach is more in that it was bill and nick Casario for a long long time and really i didn't know nick yeah. was that nick was that tight to the operations oh yeah he was tight to it but there wasn't a lot of look nick grew up at belichick's knee and in doing so huh. Pretty much shared an outlook and a philosophy that Bill liked. And I think in a lot of ways he said, okay, my job is just as much to do what Bill would want me to do as it is to build the team. And that's that's not me talking. That's what I've been told over the years. Oh, I'm not an adept personnel guy, but it was just more of I'm going to do what Bill wants. Now that they have new eyes and Elliot Wolf from outside the organization here, um, there wasn't a lot of pushback in between Nick and Bill. It was usually just they were in concert rolling the same way. Now, because Nick isn't here, Bill has to say, well, who am I working with? And it's Elliot Wolf who joined the organization, and they brought Matt Patricia back from um, destroying the, the Lions. And they've got Troy. Um, he did go out on a mission from Bill. <laughs> yeah. I'll go take down an organization in Detroit. They've been through enough yet, have they? No, no, no. no. go out there and correct some posture around sports writers and roots more other organizations that could do that. 
Uh, Tom. But now they have an opportunity um, to say, okay, let's do this differently. And I think there's that energetic aspect that is that exists. It's less a draft philosophy and more of, hey, how are we going to attack this? Whose voices are at the table and how is this exchange of ideas going moving forward? Well, to catch a wolf, you got to be a wolf. Bring in Elliot Wolf. Mm-hmm. Good idea. Yeah. Not a bad idea. Tom, we appreciate the hell out of you, man. You're the best. Thank you, Patrick. See you, Connor, and everybody else. Thank you, as always, for having me. You think Connor thinking the Patriots are going to win the next couple of Super Bowls is uh, out of line, or you think uh, reasonable? Oh, he's hot. Oh, Tommy. Oh, no. Tommy. <laughs> Tommy. <laughs> Tommy. What the hell is that? Oh, vitamins. Oh. That's a deep toe. Oh, Tom. <laughs> oh, Tom. Tom let that thing go all the way down. Sounds like Tom's the one on vitamins. <laughs> oh, he yeah, doesn't yeah. know. Tom did look pretty comfortable hitting that. Yeah, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen. I've done it like three times. Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Last day, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Tom Eaker. <laughs> love that guy. He's the best. Dude. God, I fucking yeah, love him. Man. I love that he has also just remained in Boston. I assume yeah. at yeah. some point in his career, somebody said, do you think maybe your whole thing would work elsewhere? Don't want to. Nah, I'm, I'm not leaving. Stay. It's like the Boston comedians. I guess there's like Boston stand-up comedians yeah. that are just Boston locals that could just go ahead and crush if they wanted to, and they Weapons. just stick around Boston or whatever. Yeah, I mean, he even got the well, the cold sting <laughs> in there too. I mean, come on. Okay, all right. I, I've been, you know, I've been beating that drum for a long time. <laughs> There's no reason to bring that up. Okay, and the Colts don't stink. All right. No, they don't stink. Carson Wentz got an MVP playing quarterback. That's yeah. right. That's right. You forget? There is a thought, though, without you know the expanded playoffs last year, they don't even make the playoffs. I'm just <laughs> I'm just saying. Doesn't matter, okay? Did. If ifs and buts were candy and nuts, the world would be, I think, like an amusement park or something. That's right. That'd be sweet. Think of Dong Fest. Well, there and, it is. and if... If your aunt had balls, she'd be your uncle. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So what we're saying is a lot of ifs here. Okay. If there yeah. was, if there, if there, if, if there, if there, what are you? You're, yeah. You just live in a hypothetical world. I live in the real world. Okay. Mm. Colts were in the playoffs last year. Should have won the whole damn Super Bowl. They did not. Now they got an MVP playing quarterback. How you doing? Patriots, Patriots, weren't, yeah. Patriots weren't there. Yeah. Patriots weren't in playoffs. Oh, with the expanded with the playoffs expanded. and everything. No, we weren't. We had a quarterback who threw for eight touchdowns and 10 interceptions. Same I mean, what do you want to do? By the way, I would like to reiterate the fact that if you're and had balls, and she would like to be described as yeah. say, uncle. You could do that. She can. Go I, ahead. Listen, I am all about people being Whatever makes you happy, do whatever you mm-hmm. got. Absolutely. But I was just wanting you, that's a, yeah. just a yeah. common phrase. It's, I don't know how common. It's pretty common, I think. Yeah, yeah. I heard a lot. A folk tale. Let's go to Dylan in New Jersey. What's going on, Dylan? I just want to make sure. Yeah. yeah. Clarification. Hey, you do whatever you want to do. Yeah. Legit. Mm-hmm. Hey, ELE. Hey, we're all going to die. Okay, everybody's, right. everybody's got to do it. Whatever makes you happy, do whatever it is. And I don't see why people give a fuck on the other side, mm-hmm. but hey, ELE. Mm-hmm. Hell what yeah. you got, Dylan? Hey, Pat and the boys. How you doing? First time caller here. Hey, we appreciate you calling in and joining us there in New Jersey. What exit are you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 137. Oh, nice. he's up there. Yeah. Way up there. Okay, yeah. what do you want to talk about? I think. Uh, uh, quick shout out to the boys and girls over at Elizabeth Fire Department. Big fans. Oh, Elizabeth Firefighter, appreciate your service. Thank you. Thank you, Firefighter. Thank you. Uh, by the way, my uncle, hold on, hold on, hold on. If we're going to give a shout out, my uncle just retired after like 30 some years of service to uh, the fire department in Pittsburgh. Damn. So. 
Shout out. Thank you. Oh, Thank you. Shout out. All right. A lot of respect for uh, firefighters and EMTs and uh, people that serve the community, obviously, because my family is littered with people that do so. Plenty of holidays where the old beeper would go off and everybody left. Mm-hmm. Ah. Oh, this is a good holiday for a little bit where everybody go. Well, there's 45 fires because people can't cook a fucking turkey. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, what do you want to talk about, Dylan? We appreciate you. I only got four years on, so I'm probably going to get a lot of shit for that anyway. Uh, so oh, yeah. I see you got I'm up to, to something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm up to something. I heard you, heard you earlier, a couple months back, saying last year, could have went to the Bucks had you been uh, less careful with the old uh, COVID and had antibodies. Mm-hmm. Could we expect a Buccaneers run? I was just checking the roster. Number one's open, baby. Oh! Hey, and hey, hey, that's going to be a dynasty diner, huh? Yeah, mm-hmm. A lot of like friends, it. Coach Diner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, a lot of people down there. A lot of people. It is. That is a real thing, by the way. If I would have had the antibodies last year, and now a lot of conversations would have had to happen, obviously, that potentially could happen. But the... I, I think there is a chance. I wouldn't have. I don't think I would have played because both kicker and punter got back. But I think I was potentially going to be brought down in there if I had the antibodies because I didn't have to do the six day in a hotel thing. And you'd be wearing a ring on your finger. Right I probably now. was involved yeah. yeah. probably, They probably would have cool. given me a ring for oh, a yeah. week. Oh yeah, they have to. Would I have been allowed to the boat party too? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. I'm sure you'd be number one on the guest list. So if we weren't so, I don't know about number one. Tom was number one. <laughs> His boat was nice, and he did rock that party. But at least as long as it. That thing looked like a great time. If we didn't practice social distancing yeah. and everything that we did, and if I didn't live like a hermit for most of my life, but definitely in the last 13 years, I'd probably have a Super Bowl ring. Probably yeah. a Super Bowl ring. Easily. I don't know if that's going to get talked about enough five, ten years from now. No, no, wow. That, that is a reality that smacks me right in the mouth every single time it gets brought up. That's mm-hmm. why it's possible, you know. Maybe I had to spill blood, by the way. Yeah, you did. Yeah, huh? I had to spill blood into a test mm-hmm. numerous times. Yeah, because it didn't work. Couldn't get the blood out. <laughs> yeah. Am I dead? Yeah. <laughs> what? Do I bleed what? blood? What? Is there anything in there? What? Is this a fake finger? What? Why is no blood coming out? What? I put 16 holes in this damn thing. It hurts like hell. Why is there no red stuff oozing out of my skin? What? I'm an alien. What? I don't bleed. What? No one makes me bleed my own blood. What? Not even me. What? Couldn't get the test done. What? Two to three hours. What? People are waiting on answers. Like, what the fuck is going on? I'm like, I can't bleed. What? Let me go get punched in the nose. What? Maybe I'll have my nose dribble into that thing. Will that work? Please don't have your nose blood into the thing, please, they said. What? But I am up to something. What? (laughs) Let's go to Jason in Texas. What's going on? That is a bummer. What's up, fellas? What's up, blood? Hey, what up, blood? What, what's going on with the? What up, cuz? What up, the? Uh, what up, gangsta? What's um? I have a question for you. Uh, when is Texas going to allow sports gambling? Let's go ahead and get to that down Come there, on. huh? Man, I have no idea, bro. I have no idea. Jason, we can't even get weed legalized here, so. Whoa, 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 whoa! Well, no, here in Indiana, we get, and I feel like there yeah. are potential similar like entities running both Indiana and Texas. I think now, granted, individual cities are different in, in towns like that, but we got sports gambling passed pretty quick. The weed is going to take a while. Mm. Uh, the vitamins are going to take a while. So I, I don't think those two are necessarily lumped together, Dylan. I don't think you should give up hope. Let's go ahead and get that thing down there. Hey, we can try. We can Jason, try, not Dylan. Jesus. That's on me, Jason. What do you want to talk about, pal? Hey, man, I just wanted to uh, ask you guys what you think it's going to take for uh, the Cowboys to uh, lose Jerry Jones and the family. Oh. Oh, so. Better. 
Are you a normal Cowboy fan like a lot of Cowboys fans? I, I, I was born into the Cowboys. Do a lot of Cowboys fans feel that way? I feel, yeah, me and my me and my uncles, everybody, man. We, they can't okay. stand Jerry Jones. My dad quit him when they fired uh, Tom Landry. Oh, that's Damn, a long time ago. <laughs> what, what team did he go to, Green Bay? Do what now? What team did your dad go to? Oh, he went to – man, he jumped all over the place. He went to the Saints for a while. Then he, then he moved down to Houston. And oh. he's truly still a Cowboys fan in, in his heart, though. Yeah, he just yeah, – Never he's, really quit him. Just can't do it. Yeah, yeah. He, he tried to quit him. He never mm-hmm. really did. He bounced around, didn't find greener grass anywhere else. But yeah, I, that's – the Jerry Jones thing – I don't know if he's a representative. He's a representative of his family. Yeah. I don't know if that's the entire Cowboys fan base. If it is, I'm very interested to see how Jerry Jones handles that because he'll come out, cut some sort of promo. He'll do something. We're in this together type rally, the troops thing. And if they win, nobody cares anymore. But if they continue to lose, I assume whenever you're the owner of the team, and this goes back to the Packers thing, how it's a gift and a curse with no with an owner. If they do well, it's like, okay, under their guidance. But if they do bad, it's like, okay, under their guidance. Mm-hmm. That same type of thing happens with owners. And Jerry Jones, who whenever you're in the forefront of every single thing going on with your team, you're going to get the blame and the praise much like a quarterback uh but they they have not been great for a long time so i guess you just have to go right to the top of the mountain yeah it's tough though because uh jerry jones the the cowboys will be in the jones family long after he's dead i mean it's like the most profitable one of the most profitable franchises if not the most i i I saw a recent one i don't know if they were still number one but like they're not getting uh, the joneses aren't going anywhere 77 million dollars or something like that every single game day um now we as we wrap up hour two here tom Pelissero, the arrow has tweeted something out that just flashed up on the screen. Tom Pelissero is saying the NFL informed clubs today any team employee who refuses a COVID-19 vaccination without a bona fide <laughs> medical or religious ground. Oh my okay. god. Them writing this imagine them writing the memo. The NFL informed clubs today that any team employee who refuses a COVID vaccination without a, in the NFL quotes, bona fide medical or religious ground will be barred from tier one or tier two status and thus have restricted access within a team facility and not work directly with the players per sources. So the NFL is, in their words, uh, doing the same thing that college football has been doing. Matt Brown told us uh, this seems like this is going to continue to be a trend. If you get a vaccine, you can do whatever. If not, you can't. Uh, This will obviously be met with resistance by people. There'll be other people that buy in, just like everything in the world that we live in today uh but it's nice to hear that the nfl is putting it out there and saying hey listen if they ain't got some real shit all right we need a bona fide medical or religious are they allergic to needles okay all right i want to hear it okay did their god say they and i would like to talk to their god too yes we would like a message from their god too we need a bona fide reason on why not or they ain't getting into the building anymore i'm excited for someone to go back and be like Look how many times I said God and Jesus last year in a press conference. I am religious, and I will not get that. Yeah, but what happens when somebody who's an expert in that religious field comes out and says, Get the vaccine. God said it's cool. (laughs) He told me. Go ahead. So I would assume the NFL will start doing some research with the higher-ups in the religious groups and say, Hey, what's the deal? And all they need is what? One potential leader of the religious group say, Yeah, it's cool. And they'll be like, This guy. He told girl said. I think Russ Wilson's doing a one-hour special promoting the vaccine. So there's a lot of vaccine promotion going on right now. From what I've been understanding, it feels like that you get vaccine two weeks after we're going to have the whole thing. We're going to be back. We beat COVID. We beat it. (laughs) We did it.
We interrupt this conversation to let you know that uh, you know some parts of your house might feel a little less secure than you might want. Maybe it's your first floor windows, maybe a French door. For me, it used to be my bedroom door it used to you know move around in the wind a little bit. Sometimes you'd think uh, there was someone walking around in the upstairs, but I never have to worry about that now because of my security system from Simply Safe. Now, there is no time, day or night, where I have to worry because I know my house is always being guarded. Even if you already feel safe, that might not be true of everyone in your home. If you've never had a conversation about that, it's honestly not a bad idea to do. It just feels really good to be able to press the home button on my Simply Safe keypad and hear the bass say, alarm on, and know that if anyone did try to come in, the alarm would go off. And the thing is, Simply Safe just makes it so easy. It takes about two minutes to customize the system on their website, and the system arrives in about seven days. And then it takes just 30 minutes to set up. I've done it myself, so has everyone else in the office. It's really easy to do. So go to simplysafe.com slash McAfee today to customize your system and get a free security camera. You also get a 60-day risk-free trial, so there's nothing to lose. That's simplysafe.com slash McAfee simplysafe.com slash McAfee. Back to the show. This hour will feature a man who's a Super Bowl champ. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Been there, done that. What? He's felt the confetti. Mm-hmm. Really? He's experienced the parade celebration. Wow. He's held Lombardi in his grotesque mangled hands. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. He has a <laughs> ring, both from that and winning a college national championship. Wow. One of the most successful blue collar runs in the history of the world, ladies and gentlemen, AJ Hall. Yeah! Yeah! Out of boy, AJ. I appreciate that uh, beautiful intro. Thank you. Well, you know, sometimes because you're on every day, I do get a little bit lazy with it. And to be to be, to be completely transparent, I've gotten very lazy with a lot of people's intros these days. I used to really go for it. Now it's kind of like, all right, I know, but not enough. How do we do it? It's kind of a mix. But every once in a while, I like to remind people that the human that joins us for the third hour every day is a pretty badass individual. Yeah. And, and yeah. when, you, when you hear about somebody who's accomplished all these things, you get to learn these very you know, fascinating tidbits about these people that have worked their way all the way up to the upper echelons of society. You know, they drive with both feet. That's right. They yeah. wander around yeah. Augusta for six hours yeah. lost uh-huh. chugging beers. Mm-hmm. These are things that happen at the upper echelon. I think that is why it's so important to let people know who and what you are, AJ Hawk. I, I greatly appreciate that. And unfortunately, the two-footed driving thing is not dying down. I'm getting a lot of uh, oh, a lot geez. of people not only reaching out online, but in person now to ask <laughs> fools. And they, they're mocking you, every one of them. No, they're actually, a lot of them seem to be showing a little bit of jealousy that they aren't able to do it. Oh, uh, uh, sure. Okay, dude. Uh, of course. That's, I'm happy to hear, though, that even people over there. In, was this at uh, Augusta? People were saying this or was <laughs> No, that would have been amazing. <laughs> yeah. No my mask by myself if some guy would have came up to me and asked me about it. Nobody at Augusta that you were wandering around aimlessly around has ever known that this show exists. <laughs> that is not our demo. Pretty uh pretty apparent when you look at the statistics oh Oh, well i want to let you know genuine laugh out of me last night all by myself on my couch thinking of you wandering around chugging beers for six hours potentially trying to get secondhand smoke from other people's cigars (laughs) i mean it was it was genuine laughter i don't know how long it's going to last but i think i'll do this uh, at least a few more times now (laughs) 
yeah, hey, I think we may even be able to get Jordy on here sometime this week to maybe chat it up a little bit and see see how his master's experience was, I guess. Jordy Nelson's going to come on this show? Oh. Yeah, I think tomorrow he might be able to come on during our uh, our YouTube hour. Oh, at 3 o'clock? Oh. Yeah. Whoa. Here we go. Hey, hey, hey. Jordy. Yeah, Jordy's going to come after dark. I'm going to ask after hours. After hours. Because <laughs> it is the middle of the day, so it'll be a hard sell. But Jordy's coming on after hours. One of my first questions is going to be, hey, you know, I thought as a torch lights Dude, off. just sounds like a jet engine yeah. is taking off. What is my wrong ears with you? Are Mute your mic, AJ. Do you have any regular lighters at this point, or are they all, we need the high-octane uh, Hemi lighter? No, I don't have any, like, Bix that you buy at the gas station. I have mainly just torches that you use. For hey, how, how cool were you when you got a, when you had a big, oh, back whenever I was, you know, moving cigs for people, you know, slanging <laughs> squares, dude. The, yeah. uh, I also, you know, would help them with the uh, lighter trick where you pop the top off and light <laughs> oh, that thing. Uh-huh. Like, look at this. Now the experience is better too. See you later. Thanks for the 50 cents. You know what I mean? I was a little high. You used to be able to do that though with those. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Make that thing. Yeah. You, yeah. Those, it up. you yeah. used to get those It'll things go. going, going. Yeah. They kind of put restrictors on that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't enjoy that. Um, um, AJ, Julian Edelman retired, and my entire take was as a guy who had to punt to him and watch him play, and how I, you know, he was so good at football, and he was like the perfect person at his role. I think you know, Wes Welker kind of created it, and I don't want to no bash of Wes Welker, but I think Julian Edelman kind of evolved that role into a little bit more. And there's a beautiful, candid moment between Wes and Bill Belichick after Julian Edelman took a punt back to the house in preseason with Darius Butler blocking for him. Ooh. By the way, in that video where Bill Belichick asked Ernie Adams, "Oh, what was the name of that guy?" Oh, Wally Pip. That's it. and the other guy comes up to him and is like, "Do you want to do this?" And he's not even listening to this guy. And that guy like looks too like, and then he goes over to Wes and he goes, uh, uh, "You know, Wally Pip is." And Wes goes, "No, no." He was like, "Oh, he's the guy who missed the game." And then Lou Gehrig went on to like play twenty three thousand straight games or something <laughs> like that. And uh, and and Wes goes, "Oh, you mean like uh, the young guy or whatever?" He goes, "Yeah, yeah." He goes, uh, "Oh, he can have it or whatever." And Bill goes, "Way to compete," you know, <laughs> just like so disgusting. <laughs> then off. So disgusted with Wes but I think like Julian Edelman took that particular role I think Miami where Wes was kicking and doing everything down there and it became something and I'm not saying they created the slot position but in New England it was famous and then when Julian Edelman made it I just thought he was such a damn good player and made so many pivotal plays and the immediate conversation is well he's a Hall of Famer or not like I think 20-30 years from now he gets in and it's going to be because the amount of highlights he has offense, defense, special teams and moments and titles I think it's going to be something later I might be wrong though well, it should be. I don't know what. I don't know how many voters there are for the NFL Hall of Fame. I know about of none of it. I have no none yeah. of that behind but the scenes stuff. Is there a certain criteria they they are supposed to follow when they're doing this? Because some guys obviously may just look at stats, and if you do that, people have all seen like Heinz Ward and different receivers compared to, to Edelman's numbers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but if you go, you can't go strictly off of numbers. That's the thing. Like I don't know. I think your take on it. I, I saw it earlier. When you talked about like yeah, 20, 30 years down the road, I think you're. Are they eligible for what? Thirty years once you become eligible, five years after your last game. I don't know. Is there a rule on that too? I did not there's, know that because yeah, I, there's a time like you're not just eligible for the rest of your life. I know there's a time frame. I did not know mm-hmm. that because is that why it's such a big deal for some of those older guys that don't get in because they're running out? I thought it was just like hey, there's always. Next. I did not know there was. I know nothing about the Hall of Fame other than the fact that we're supposed to play the Hall of Fame game. 
they put a tarp over fresh paint. It became a magnifying glass and it became just a sticky field. Mm -hmm. I know that it's a massively cool honor bestowed upon a very select group of people that have gotten the incredible opportunity to work in the NFL and to play in the NFL and everything like that. Like, I understand that. But my views on it are much different than other people. And I think why the Hall of Fame has remained the Hall of Fame and why it's so highly sought after is because of the way some people view it as this prestigious thing. You need this, you need to do this, you need to do this to get in. And I, I can respect people that view that and I appreciate that they think that highly of the Hall of Fame because that is what the Hall of Fame is. For me, I'm like, there's a lot of incredible football players that are going to get forgotten about because they're not being put into the museum, which is the NFL. When this thing's around 100 years from now, 150 years, if the world still exists, by the way, I know there's a potential chance that this whole thing goes and there's, <laughs> True. you know, we got starships and whatever, everything going Mars. on right now. Mars is happening. They're underground, by the way. Check in there. I'm tired of telling, being told that there's nothing on the surface. <laughs> but like 100 years from now, 200 years from now, if the league continues... And there's, why shouldn't it, by the way? It feels like it should. I, I'm not, they'll adapt and everything like that. There will always be competition of some sort. Boxing has lasted a long time. Let's assume football will as well. It's the biggest league on earth. It just, it feels like there's some people that they're going to get missed out on in the museum of the game, which is how I view the Hall of Fame. It's like the museum. Like, hey, these are impactful people, but there's not everybody that views that way. And I, I don't think anybody will ever be able to come off of how they feel about that particular situation. Well, whether Edelman gets in or not, if his bust is in there, there's going to be some parts of Edelman in there. You know they're going to have clips of his catch in the Super Bowl, the, the bobble catch or whatever. That seemed almost impossible when you watch it in real time, how it, it even happened. There'll be stuff like that. and maybe. But, yeah, whether his bust is in there, I don't know. I don't know what the voters are looking for. I really don't. Me neither. I love, though, that they do take little artifacts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Vinatieri's cleats, I think, were sent over there immediately. Yeah. I was like, Vinny, hang on to those. <laughs> worth a lot. At least get a good video of them for an NFT. Yeah. <laughs> well, what did Chris Carter say after Phil Rivers, you know, after he retired? Was it consistency or? Well, to, you, just to be long. a starting quarterback in the NFL for 17 years. Like, yeah. that, you know how that's. That's something that should be mm -hmm. like, hey, that's not easy. There's only 32 jobs in the world. And they, well, I never won the, the Super Bowl or whatever. It was like pretty fucking close. A mm -hmm. lot of the time played football better than a lot of people. And it was a starting quarterback, which is impossible to do for that long. I, and Chris Carter is like one of the, isn't he a Hall of Fame? He's like one yeah, of the he voices. Has, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He has something in there. Mm -hmm. You can't just go off just stats. Like Edelman, his moments in the NFL is ridiculous. Well, well then also the... The title goes to Pro Bowls and All Pros and everything like that. People are like, that's all judgment stuff. Like, All Pro is the media deciding who they think are the best in the NFL. You think the media knows who's the best in the NFL and watch the – and I'm not saying all media don't know, but I'm just saying all media don't – I'm not saying every member of the media doesn't do this, but the, the All Pro thing is voted on people who potentially – have no idea what's going on mm -hmm, in yeah. a certain aspect of football. You know what I mean? Like somebody who made, I was in the NFL eight years, played pretty good, whatever, that whole thing. I could not tell you who the best guard is in the NFL, aside from Quentin Nelson, because he's on our team. So Quentin Nelson's our best, but somebody else probably feels the same way. I would assume it would have to take somebody who's like an offensive lineman expert, maybe a former NFL guy, like, oh, this is why he's greater to, to that whole thing. So like, that's all pro. Pro Bowl, there is... A, a lot of factors that go into yeah. that thing as well. So people, so whenever people are like, well, it's awards that happen, it's like, well, the awards were potentially bullshit too. I mean, it's like, you know, there's really no... It can't be one... It, it, it has to be like, every, you have to look at every single aspect. You can't say, oh, this person 
had 12 Pro Bowls. This person had five Pro Bowls. Like, it can't be just that. You have to look at, I think, too, like clutch plays in the biggest games, in the biggest moment, like Edelman, obviously, Super Bowl MVP. Yes. So many big-time third-down conversions in the playoffs you can remember when you think of his career and just absolutely maybe one of the toughest guys ever to play mm-hmm. the position, too, in the, the damage that he would take and just get up and keep going, man. That's one of the most impressive things I've seen. And he's beloved by his teammates. Yeah. Like, it's just, you know, everybody seems to have come out. Like, I think that is, I don't know, maybe um. Yeah, maybe I'm different. Yeah, but <laughs> even the people who, you know, talk about he doesn't have the Pro Bowls all pros, but he has Super Bowls and Super Bowl MVPs. So, like, how does that – MVP. How does that, you know, outweigh the other? Especially when, if it's consistency. In the playoffs, he's one what of the most that? consistent that? That was the uh, 28-3 game? Is that the yeah. only one yeah. who's MVP? That, well, that, no, no, no. He was MVP of the, the Rams. Seahawks. Was he the Rams? MVP against the Rams. The uh, bobble catch was against the Falcons. Yeah. And then, he had so, the yeah, winning the f- touchdown catch against the Seahawks when he when – he, Came back inside and went out. Yeah, everybody remembers Malcolm Butler, right? Yeah. Everybody remembers that, but they don't remember the pivotal moment that mm-hmm. if it doesn't yeah. happen, the other thing doesn't happen. The which is what we talked about earlier. Like, how can you measure that particular point in the entire dynasty? Too, I don't know how you do hey, that. Did you guys talk about though? Did you talk about the fact? I, I mean, I don't even. I hate to bring it up because I love Edelman. The fact that he had a four-game suspension back in what 2017. Do, the, do you think some voters are going to hold that against him? I didn't even remember that. Right. Yeah, 2018. So he had a yeah. four-game suspension in 2018 after he missed the entire 2017 season. Really? injury. Yeah. Oh, dicks. The relentless documentary. The relentless documentary. I was just trying to get back on the field for Stevens. Yeah. The relentless documentary goes into it about how like he took something that someone gave him. That in the NFL, do they know. hold that as – like the MLB, I feel like they're big time against it, right? Is the NFL oh, – yeah. do we know if the NFL – Probably not. Is I think they didn't they change the rule to where if you got popped for PEDs you couldn't be like the NFL MVP. I think they changed it after Merriman. Like you're not you weren't up for postseason awards if you got popped that season. AJ, were you around? uh, You're in before me, obviously. Were you around when you guys were just like shooting steroids up in the locker room? That happened, right? (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. When I talked to some of my old coaches that played like in the, the 80s and early 90s, yeah, they said they didn't really test for anything. So I'm like, oh man. So what were you doing? He's like, everything. (laughs) (laughs) I think we heard who, by the way, that you said that. I think we heard who that was, by the way, in your impression there. Oh, no, no, I I wasn't. No, you don't know who I'm talking about. Okay, goodness. um, But it did feel like the stories I had heard about the older NFL, it was like that, though. Like, they were just very, and I feel like baseball was like that. Mm -hmm. When I was in there, though, it was not talked about at all with anybody. And it might have been different. In Green Bay, I'm not arms and short, but it was a very, like, people would walk in the locker room that were like, you'd look at me like, well, how the, f- like, what is going on there? Oh, and then, they're, they're, but you would never, it was never like a, hey, let's talk about a thing. Mm-hmm. Always very quiet, I think. And, and I think that would be surprising to some people who didn't know that that, like, I don't, I don't think that type of shit gets talked about very much at all, by the way. No, it's not like teams have, like, a pack, like, oh, hey. D linemen together. We're all going to be juiced, juiced out of our minds together. And they, they sit there and put their fist in before every time they shoot up. Right. That's not a, it's not a movie. Not, not a bad just, idea. All right. Hey, try to get some blood. Uh-huh. Some team, <laughs> team building. ACH on three. It's a blood pact. We're not telling anybody. We're doing this all season. And we're going to be better, faster, stronger than everybody. Well, and the Packers had that first round. Tony Mandrich. Yeah, yes. Mandrich, who was shooting oh, up juice oh, before practice. Michigan State. Yeah, yeah Michigan State alone. Bro, how about in baseball? They were chewing gum that was activating testosterone yeah. boosters in the middle of innings in games. Really? Un- 
But, yeah, allegedly. Mm-hmm. Now, where is where is that gum? I've never heard of no it. <laughs> yeah, it's like I don't know if it's gum or an activator. So it, was, it would mm-hmm. activate something else that they put into the system that was dormant because they had to take a piss test. Like they were getting that deep into the what's that? Uh, buh, buh. Anthony Bosch. Bosch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like man ran. Screwball. Yeah, Screwball. The documentary. Screwball. Have you seen it? Yeah, do they talk about that gum in Screwball? Yeah, he talks, okay. he talks about biogenesis. He talks about how they got so sophisticated to get around the testing that they created something that they were able to chew that would activate a dormant thing in the body that would up the testosterone so they would do it while they're at bat or whatever. It was There's, just like, are you kidding me? Who's doing this? Who's thinking of this? There's a book. It's literally, I think I've read three books in my life. It's called Game of Shadows. It's all about Barry Bonds and Balco. It is fucking incredible. Real? Oh, awesome. Just the lengths they would go? Oh, absurd. That's very good. Yeah, Pat, I know you don't read, but you should have someone read it and and write up an outline for you. It's very good. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) There you go. What were you going to say, Ty? Nothing? No. I thought you had something on the baseball people. But even before steroids, they were all taking those greenies. Mm -hmm. It was kind of like Adderall. They'd just be fucking dialed in. Hey, Adderall is something that gets a lot of guys in the NFL. Well, Chris Davis, who plays first base for the Orioles, got suspended for Adderall. Well, a lot of NFL guys. A lot of guys were getting popped for Adderall because it was considered, it's an amphetamine, I guess, Mm -hmm. so that was a performance-enhancing drug. And guys, because you get one annual test, a street drug test, once a year, guys would take that test and then they'd be out they're like okay I, uh, I'm allowed to smoke now mm-hmm. okay Adderall I can also uh, just take an Adderall I guess and then it was all of a sudden like no no actually Adderall is not a straight drug it is uh, that's a performance enhancer because you become a superhuman with your focus I have no idea and now I guess I've heard from people that Adderall actually calms them down and brings them in and I have nothing but appreciation for mental health and figuring that out when I took it I thought I could potentially and I'd never Really, I still to this day have not done a full kicking session with that. I thought I could jump over a fence that I was looking at <laughs> yeah. when I had Adderall the, the first time. The first time I tried, I was like, oh my God, I can just go. And the fact that it does the complete opposite for people is interesting, but the guys were getting popped for Adderall. Imagine there for hey, a bit. Welcome. If, if you a felt that way, can you imagine how those baseball players felt when they like the greenies were a thing that like yeah. every clubhouse, mm-hmm. every dugout, like the guys would come off a. A bender the night before, and I got a double header, and they just eat some greenies, and they're they're Here's juiced up, and they're ready to go. Bobblehead night. Yeah. Oh, there you go. There it is. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> yeah. AJ Burnett had eight greenies going. By the way, that was probably post greenies. Yeah, that was very much post greenies. He just took Adderall. No, he did not. No, he's an old school throwback. Yeah. He went out there, had a good time, and threw the hell out of that damn baseball. The first time you take Adderall, though, I mean, I took it one time before a soccer game, first time ever. Did you have a heart attack? I was fucking. Di- I couldn't see outside the lines of the field. I was so dialed in. Just suspended your ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was a lot more than fucking Adderall on that field, pal. Dude, it was. Well, how about play intramural soccer? Does Gump play intramural soccer? Whoa, whoa. whoa. What? I, I mean, Do you play intramural play. soccer like now? Oh, I wish I could around I, here. Me too. I, I wish I could. AJ, I played. When I was back home, I'd go out and play like once a week, just in like a fun league. I've been looking. I've been looking for like a pickup game around here. I went to a couple here throughout my years. I was just getting hacked to shit in those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I try my best. I show up and I'm just getting hacked. Yeah, that was the you played. So we played Div One, and then as you got older, you dropped down to Div Three before you went over thirty five. You'd get whacked, whacked worse in Div Three. It was a waste of time. I was playing in a soccer game, a pickup soccer game. 
it was like uh, 10.30 at night, uh, maybe like a Wednesday or Thursday. And this is when I was in the 27 months of the substance of abuse program where I couldn't do anything. So I had to figure out what was fun to do sober because previously to that, I had no idea. Yeah. I had no clue. I wasn't played in this game at 10th I think I was the only English-speaking person there. Okay, I was the only English-speaking person there. And boy, I... Four minutes in, I said, I immediately regret. Somebody slid. It was an indoor <laughs> yeah. game. Slid cleats up, and I had to, like, jump over. I'm like, oh, my God. And, like, I still had the ball. And then somebody came and was like, oh, there is no – they're playing play. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, they, they, this is a play play. And it was, like, 1030 at night. I was like, all right, I'm going to get out of here. Right? <laughs> I just went home and left. But there's there's very few games. I wish I could find those now, though. Yeah, when we played five on five at the Y, it was like, oh, shit. Okay, this is – Should not be here. <laughs> this is going to be a marathon because they're playing defense so hard on me, yeah. okay, just so that they could potentially tell whoever, whenever, however, about how they bodied me. It is In Indiana, it is tough for me to do anything competitively because if there's a chance of me losing, it is going to be told. So there's, I mean, there's been times where, you know, I just, I traveled around an entire parking lot and played cornhole against everybody. Had to do it. Yeah. Had to do it. <laughs> Did not lose a game. 30-some and O oh that Ooh. day, an Indy 500 day. And I was like, okay, now I need everybody to just go tell everybody. Mm -hmm. And I never have to play a cornhole game again. I play basketball, these pickup games. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting my shit blocked off the backboard. Yeah. And then they're yelling in my face. Yeah. I'm like, all right, I got to go home. This is I'm never going to be able to go to the grocery store again after this. You thing. passed the ball, and I remember giving it back to you. And you were like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Take the ball. I don't want, it. I don't want this. This, this guy is not picking me <laughs> yeah. here because if this thing pay, there's a camera on me right now. I'm going to look like a terrible athlete. I cannot. I mean, and I'm a punter already. This would be bad for the brand. If I shoot a trash, any, a trash thing into like a garbage can and there's people around, oh. like that has to go in. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't go in, oh, that's why you're a punter. Okay, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, that is just, it's everything, AJ. It's every. You don't even know. You yeah. don't even know about it. You can't I mean, be you, playing basketball like that anymore. I mean, you're going to get Gary Veed one of these days. These guys are just <laughs> licking their chops just to run run you down from behind and maybe like Legit? wrap you up. Yeah. Legit. It felt like that in the soccer game. It felt like that a little bit in the soccer Where are you gonna, game. You're going to pull a, a Tom Segura if you try to play. His well, treasonous well. left arm. Man. Bro, that man. Uh, if my left arm, if my left arm did that to me, I would not be able to look at it. Cut it off. Cut yeah. this thing off. If that thing just quit on him and was just like, take me. And just that was unbelievable. I think he's I think he's back, by the way. Is he? Well, oh man. I'm not 100 percent sure. I thought he still had like the bionic arm sleeve. Yeah. Yeah. Still... Unbelievable rehab he had to go through. Oh my surgery. God. Hey, you know what betrayed him? It, it looked like he slipped, but what caused the fall, I guess his patella snapped. Just blew up. Yeah, so his knee and his arm. And, and his, when his knee blew up, his left arm was like, what the fuck? Yeah. I was like, let me go back here real fuck quick. Fucking break this too. Imagine having to do fucking rehab for trying to dunk a basketball. What happened? What happened? Well, we were doing this dunk contest. <laughs> And I had it. I, I was, I was winning. I had it at eight and a half. Feet. I, you know what I mean? Yeah. And we had to go up. Tom, what a legend, dude. I think he's back on tour, I think. He's doing um, Spanish shows and English shows oh, yeah. at this point. I mean, he is. He moved to, uh, I think he moved to Austin, with, like, like the rest of the comedians. Well, did they all do that because Rogan's there? Or did they do that because it's wide open and they're allowed to, it's basically Elon and Rogan's town now? I think a little bit of both. I think they were a lot of people in California, and you know, they didn't know when they were going to get back to work, so oh, yeah. they took off. Rogan is going down there? Yeah, Rogan's yeah. going down there. Okay. Is Chappelle yeah. going down there? Yeah, Chappelle's going to be down there. Oh. Oh. oh, so we should probably all probably. <laughs> so if they're Elon doing just it. moved out there. Elon's too? building? 
Oh, oh we okay. need to go there. Okay. Okay, so we're just going to do what we do here, just do it down right. there. Because yeah. their rules are different. Yeah. Okay, that's what we're going to do. Smart move, by the way, by them. Smart move. Elon's going to build his own town within a matter of, what, years probably at this point? Oh, yeah. And it's going to be just a, it's probably just going to be an airport for yeah. Starship. Starship like, base. Dubai. Yeah. yeah, it's probably going to be the town, come to town, about town starship, starship mm-hmm. town. Not mm-hmm. to mention the city he's building on Mars, you know, he'll have two different places on two different planets. Well, and we can't forget, Paul Heyman said, if they are going to have civilization on Mars, Vince McMahon will be building a stadium up there That's and right. putting on a show. So mm-hmm. we got to think about that as well. We are in a, by the way, AJ, we just talked about, you know, a lot of things there. We legitimately probably will see a time where people are just fucking bouncing mm-hmm. around other planets, I think. You think in our lifetime that could happen? I think so. Uh-huh. I mean, I don't know how long you're planning on living. I don't know how many greenies you were hitting up or whatever, but <laughs> I hope in I my lifetime. Yeah, I don't I don't plan on dying. I tell my kids that all the time. Like, just because everyone else died doesn't mean I have to. <laughs> True. That's a bedtime That's story, AJ. True. Well, they're worried. They're like, Dad, are you going to be at my... My daughter, Dad, you're going to be at my wedding, right? I'm like, yeah, I'm, not, I'm never dying. You know that. Listen, nobody has <laughs> defeated death yet. Let me tell you, Daddy's going to defeat him, right? Yeah. I'm going to defeat See this death. jawline. Vince McMahon's Vince McMahon's mom is 101 years old or something like that. Jeez. And there was a the headline that I read the the headline said that Vince McMahon wants to live as long if not longer than his mom. So I think it's like he's planning on what 120, 130. Yeah, yeah. at least he's still going to be like deadlifting 800 pounds. What a video like came out last week. Yeah. yeah, last week of him 400 pounds or something like that. What's the oldest human of all time? Uh, how old was that nun? 104, right? Uh, yeah, something I think like, it's like, like I thought it was like 120 something. something. Oh. The nun was 120 years old. I think so. I, I that was you. when I think we should have declared victory potentially over, you know, Uncle COVID. Uh, 122 years yep. old. Yeah. My God, beat COVID. Oh, yeah. Did she beat the Johnson and Johnson too? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no one's beating that. <laughs> We don't know anything about what we are speaking about right now. We just read headlines and react to it. <laughs> but uh, there's a person right now who's 118 years old. Let's God. go. All right. Let's keep it going. He, Actually, there's a lot of people. He or she teens. hits 100, by the way. And they're like, oh, still got another, like, smoking life. Still yeah. can yeah. get to gambling. Still can mm-hmm. do this. That would be wild. You've lived four lives at that point. There's I mean, 50 people on this earth more than 112 years old. Hey, that can be us, boys. Yeah. Okay. Why not? Who says no? Live long enough just to see Julian Edelman never make it to the Hall of Fame. Oh, <laughs> all right. All right. We got to get to a break. Uh, doesn't matter because right. we've been able to see chimpanzees play Pong, you know? How about oh. that? Bro, there was, did you see the chimpanzee playing Pong? No. Oh. Well, the, it, it put a neural link in its head, okay, uh, which is Elon's next thing where we're all just going to be telepathically talking to each other. I, I watch a chimpanzee do it with a computer. So... The Neuralink thing, I think, tracked this chimpanzee as it was taking a ball to a lit up square. And by doing so, it was moving this joystick, which I thought was the trick. I thought that was the trick of the video. It was like a minute and five seconds of that. And I'm like, holy shit. Wow. Look how smart this goddamn chimpanzee is. Then they get rid of that thing. There's two like uh, pong type things. And the ball is bouncing back. He's controlling it with his mind, blocking the ball back and forth. The Neuralink was sending it to the person, to the thing. Next level. What the fuck is going on? That's happening today. That chimpanzee was unbelievable at Pong. Yeah. It looked like there was a couple that Do they keep an eye on that thing? Yeah. Yeah. 
They better seriously. Are they, are they, are they going to shoot that thing before it comes and takes over? I don't know, but it's a, only a matter of time before he's had enough of playing pong and he beats the living shit and kills the person working in that lab. Yeah. Caesar, Cesar. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah okay. exactly. Cesar had a situation that did play out, unfortunately, for us in that particular scenario. Yeah. But this one seemed like it was just a competitive gaming like Jim Exactly. Says. Just likes to have a good time. Yeah, well, do war. What if they what if they give him Call of Duty? Then what's he thinking? Don't give him Call of Duty. No, no, no. <laughs> cannot give him I don't know. Cannot no. give him. This guy's gonna disarm a security guard. <laughs> Take How out everybody that dog? in the room. Did you see that dog come hopping out of a crime scene in yeah. New York this uh-huh. morning? Digi dog. The digi dog. <laughs> Did you see that? No. So some guy comes out in cuffs, and then like <laughs> Two cops come out, and it seems to be a pretty large scene. And then there's this cop wearing this helmet, and he has like a uh, no. it seems oh, yeah. like a, a, a motorized uh, airplane, like a, one of those controllers, or like a drone controller. And there's this dog trotting in front of him, right in front. Yeah. Of him. And then the digital dog that has a head that looks like it was just a camera or whatever. And that thing just turns the corner and trots right on down the street. It's unbelievable. Yeah. A digital dog. I would assume it's just. One of those robots that has a camera so people can see what the hell's going on in there. For like bombs, like a bomb yeah. sniffing thing to send them in. Bingo. Instead of sending in actual dogs that had to smell it out, let's send in the Digidog. But then the question is, what does the Digidog do next? Does it do the, um, the um, oh, what's that Citizen movie? Uh, guy from P.S. I Love You's in it. Uh, uh, law-abiding oh. citizen. Law-abiding yeah. citizen, where that guy has that uh, uh, that little machine that just has a. Oh and he's just yeah. Graveyard. At what point are they gonna in the graveyard scene? Yeah. Whenever the the yep. drive is happening. Uh-huh. What what happens when that Digidog gets a. Well, going on. And they also, I do believe, are using robot robot dogs to carry you know weapons in you know yeah. types of war, and sergeants are telling them to trust the dogs like you would a human. So putting fifty cows on their backs. Yeah, be well, careful. Well, also. We also have to say, I, we do understand that the world is advancing quickly uh-huh. in this particular fashion. I would like to have a little local revolution, too. They're using Tahoes as cops now. Yeah. Okay. What? Chevy Tahoes are now cops around here. <laughs> are you serious? Pickup trucks are now cops around here. Mm-hmm. Okay, watch it. They are not marked. They look like a murdered out Tahoe. Okay. That thing will get your ass beat. Okay. So we're not at dogs yet, I don't think, around here, but we are at Tahoe's and trucks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're getting speeders. <laughs> so fucking watch it, dude. Hey, I was driving by, I was like, oh, this sucks for that guy. Never knew there was a cop there. Yeah. Wow, they got Tahoe's around the town, stuffing everybody's bank account. Woo! You got a stimulus? We're getting that thing. <laughs> Give it back. That was wild, AJ. I did not know they had Tahoe's. They're all different kind of cars. I feel like like any car can can be a cop car now, and they have such low-profile sirens on the top, you can never tell. I really don't know how you tell them. These ones don't even have sirens either. It just looks like, you know, some farmer pulling up next to you. Bro, there has to be some sort of murder we can solve, right? With those Tahoe's and things? Should be. Especially when they're, you know, yeah. using the Tahoe as a bait car and going 95 down the left lane. And they do have leading, a pace car. Yeah, going. just leading people right into the trap. Is that a cop? That was, I think that was, a, yeah, they got Tahoe's. No, that wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're floating. Uh, and then right around the corner, you got a guy. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Helmet on. Yep. Onto the motorcycle. <laughs> oh, my God. They, they heard people got their stimulus checks uh-huh. around here, and they're like, we're getting all, hey, a lot of people got money to get mm-hmm. rid of. It's time. Let's go ahead and get them. This is a, 
first time in a long time in my life where I am driving, and I guess they would say this worked, I guess. <laughs> I'm driving speed limit. Oh, yeah. Have to. For sure. Oh, can't do anything. Mm -mm. Which, by the way, means it's how I should have been driving my whole life. Yeah, they need to... The Indianapolis police should show this clip to all the taxpayers say, see, this is why we have all these nice vehicles because it does this exact, exact thing that we needed to do, gets people like you to slow down. Steal. People like me. Oh, please. Yeah, all right, yeah, AJ. Two-foot driver. Yeah, you can't go as fast as me because you're riding the brake the whole time. <laughs> all right, a car can only go so fast with the metal just <laughs> run up against it. I just, I never really paid attention to driving with my feet, honestly, until we started this conversation. Now, lately, I've been paying attention and I've been noticing, like, man, I bet Pat is so slow going right foot <laughs> over the brakes. I've been feeling just how, how efficient know. I've been and how I haven't ridden. I, I never ride the brakes, honestly. It's just, like I said, it's just super smooth, man. All right, all right. That's the show. Good show today. Good conversation. A lot of stuff popping off. This NFL PA, NFL thing is going to grow. Okay. We're going to have to talk about it. I don't like it. We'll try to weave through the bullshit to see what type of world we got going on. I think we're going to have full stadiums soon. And that's what I'm here for. Okay. Hopefully everybody lives. Hopefully we have full stadiums. We'll be back tomorrow. Big show tomorrow. Big, big show tomorrow. Big show. All right. Be your friend, tell a friend, Ty. Please play some independent music and propel these people into a beautiful Tuesday night. We'll be back. Minyana. Cheers.